This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So Pentecost Sunday, this is uh, sort of my, probably my most favorite topic in the whole world to speak about the Holy Spirit. And I know there's a lot of confusion when it comes to the Holy Spirit because in our society, we've become so used to a powerless church that we, have, we don't know what to do with the things of the Spirit. We, many of us don't understand how it works or, and how the Lord operates. I want to speak to you about when the fire falls. So I was uh, at a conference last weekend, Empower 21 conference. So it was uh, spirit-full churches from all over Africa coming together. Uh, and it was amazing to hear all these men of God speaking and sharing what God is doing in Africa. I tell you, God is moving in Africa. God is moving in Africa. Uh, we are now officially the, 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 the continent with the most Christians. 633 million. I don't know if they're all serving Jesus, but we, the, by, at least we, 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 we're looking better than Europe. <laughs> South America around 600 million. And... Uh, and other, some other continents like Europe is in really bad space. So, you know what a drought, I mean, Cape Town's having a drought, I've been having a drought. The Western Cape has been having a drought. Do you know that it's a, it's a crisis when there's a drought? It's a crisis for our society. I mean, imagine all the taps running dry. That's a problem. I mean, people have been really scared in Cape Town and all the contingency plans, and it has been raining a bit, so it's getting a little bit better. But a drought is a major, major problem, a major challenge for society. People die when there's not water. When there is water, there is life. You know, the, one of the pictures of the Holy Spirit is of water, of rain, of living waters. So you have some other pictures of the Holy Spirit is fire. So when fire falls, but another one is, is like a river or like rain that comes. And, and as it is in the natural, if there's no water in the natural, people die. In the same way, if there is no spiritual water, people die. That's why many people, there's, there's a lot of religion in our country, but it's dry religion. It's empty religion. It is powerless religion. One of the most pitiful pictures in the world is a pulpit without power. Christians without power. Go read the Bible. Go read how Jesus operated and how he trained his disciples to operate. Jesus healed the sick, multitudes. He raised the dead. He did incredible things. And then he trained his own disciples to do the same. He trained them to, to, to pray for the sick. And to release the power of God, to raise the dead. Why? So that the world can know that God is alive. I want to say to you, God is alive. He is powerful. You know, but in Europe currently, in some countries, only 5% of the under 30s say that they are religious. 5% in the UK, under 30, are saying they are Christian or that they are religious. So Europe is having a massive drought. The one lady said this, Africa, 
is the Pentecost continent. There are amazing things happening. So we had this Empower 21 conference in Joburg. I was at the same one one for Europe in in the UK. And if I compare, I realize why Africa is having a revival and Europe is dying. Because it's so boring in Europe. And you come to Africa and there's beats. It was good, eh? Everybody, we had like 2,000 young people on stage the one night, like a mass choir of kids. And it was, there was beat. It was happening. So Africa has got the beat and the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And God is wanting to move. He's ready to move. He's ready to move in our continent. But he's waiting for you and me to become hungry and thirsty for more of God. I grew up religiously I went to church, but it was dead. I went to church, but it was dry. I went to church, and it was like one hour is unbelievably long. You know? But then when, when God is present, it just things just happen. Things move. You know, so I was at the conference, and I, I wasn't speaking. I was just attending it. And so there's a lady standing next to me. Her name is Lauren. She's one of the sort of the leader of our shofar Santon in Johannesburg. She's leader of the, of the church there with her husband. And uh, I, so we were at to pray for one another and so we were, I just put my hand on her shoulder and I Lord I just prayed blessing over the next moment the power of God ran into her body and I didn't know this but she had major neck and shoulder problems and she was healed and I didn't even try praise God I followed up a week later she's still healed you see Jesus is alive amen so last week uh, Benny was here uh, Stefan had a word he felt before the service someone something we need to pray for someone's back that's going to be healed. So um, Benny Sonica spoke about finances, which is not the best way of building up faith for healing. But uh, so she was speaking at the end when she was praying. Benny was standing here somewhere in the front, and he said he felt something snap in his back, and he was healed. How cool is that? Why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because God is alive. And I know from a Western perspective, un- you know, we... we can, unbelief is like a cancer in our society. Why? Because we haven't been exposed to the real deal. So Jesus is present here right now through his Holy Spirit, and he is touching lives. So when the Holy Spirit, like a fire, when the fire of God comes upon us, things happen. Hearts are healed. Bodies are healed. People are set free. There's so many people battling with depression and heaviness and anxiety and fear. And, and, and over this weekend, we just have so many testimonies of people being set free. Come on, let's say it. Jesus is alive. He is. So I want to share, I want to stir your faith. You see, the only way we're going to change the drought, the spiritual drought, is if we have heavy rains. Not just a drizzle. We're having a drizzle. It's lovely. But God, we need heavy rains. That's why we're starting to pray now for this month as well, and seeking the face of God. It's like, God, we need the heavy rains. So this is the, the, the mantle or the call upon Shofar as a church family is, to, it's a, is, the, is the heavy rains to see revival come. If you read your history, nations get turned around when revival comes. What's revival? Revival is God's arrival. It's God's arrival. It's when God comes, when he 
manifests His goodness and His love in a way that absolutely revolutionizes our lives. But there are so many Christians that are dry. So many unbelieving believers. And God is wanting to stir us to believe again and hope again. And we're going to trust this morning that people are going to be healed. We're going to pray. We have a few wonderful words trusting that people are going to be healed and set free. doesn't matter what you're facing. Jesus is the answer. I was an 18-year-old mess up. I hated myself. I battled with depression. I had no idea who I was. I was confused. I was lost. And until I came to a shofar church service in Stellenbosch, I walked forward on the altar call. The pastor prayed for me, and I felt fire coursing through my body and was like, I think God is alive. There's, There's something real here. And the Lord started to transform my life. You see, we're not going to change South Africa by having more religion. What I mean with religion is external form, going through the motions. Then we stand, then we sit, then we do this, but there's no life. God wants to release life. Let me illustrate. It's like so many Christians. This is pura vida. Something about new life or something, that's what it means. I don't know. So, this is like many Christians. We have a message saying, hey, Jesus is life. It's like you're walking in the desert and everybody's trying, thirsty, like dying, and the Christians are coming, going around, hey, Jesus, life. You can, I've, got, I've got water. Come on, drink it. And then what happens? We hand it to somebody. Hey, Stefan, you thirsty, man. Jesus is the answer, brother. Have a sip. He got out a drop or two. Yes. And then sort of, sort of a, like a dry taste, isn't it? <laughs> like a, a dry, sandy taste. Like, oh, what is this? They say Jesus is the answer. They say Jesus is going to bring change into my life. And now it's so dry. It's so boring. It's so lifeless. And that's many Christians. They like this. We have the label, but we don't have the power. And then there are others. Hallelujah. Oh, I just want to look at that. I want to drink. It's good. It looks good. Ah. Then there are other Christians that are not just in name. They have the, the, the real deal, the real deal. And as I said previously, you know, for, I was a pastor for 12 years and I didn't have the real thing. Now, many churches, the Bible says in Revelation that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are actually dead. And the real deal is the Holy Spirit, God, the Spirit of Christ. Mm, mm. Glory. Now, if you are thirsty, there's nothing like some real, the real deal. Hmm. I've illustrated this before. I want to show this again. This, the, the, this is you. This is you. This is you and me. Your physical being, your physical body is designed to have living waters within you. That is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And to God is not just wanting to give you a little bit. 
He wants you to overflow. I'm going to make some. Yes. Hold it on the hand. You know, so, so God wants you and me to overflow so that you can release some life onto somebody. We should not have, we should not have a name that we are alive, but in, the, in reality we are dead. You see, the only way the drought is going to be turned around, even in Cape Town, a drizzle is not going to solve the problem. You need heavy rains and you need continuously heavy rains. You see, a little bit of religion and a little bit of God, a little bit of the Holy Spirit is not going to change East London. It's not going to change the Eastern Cape. And we know, as I said, politics is not going to solve the issues in our country. The only thing that will change South Africa is when Jesus touches the hearts of people. Amen. When we choose to get over ourselves and to love others, to humble ourselves. You know, when Jesus, if Jesus would touch every heart in the country, do you know what will happen to crime? It would be zero. Why have we so much crime? Because we are fake Christians in this country. It's not the real deal. Not the real deal. We need the real deal. You know, so we want to be, we want to be a church through which, and this is why we want to celebrate Pentecost. That's why we want to, we're stepping out this morning, trusting God. Here we are, rain on us. We know it's going to drizzle, but we need the heavy rains. And the heavy rains is in God's hands. We can't make that happen. So I want to take you to this verse. It's uh, um, James chapter 5. It's about Elijah. So Elijah um, was the prophet of Israel. And God said, the, the nation is so sinful. I want you to pray that it wouldn't rain for three years. Or for, it won't rain. And then it didn't rain for three years. And then God spoke again to Elijah. And the Lord said to him to pray that it would rain. And then this is the good news. It says there, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Come on, say it. It's good news. That's good news because we always think, Elijah, you're so amazing and we are so horrible. God is saying, no, Elijah and you, same thing. Because it's the Holy Spirit, the power of God within us that makes the difference. It's time for the Elijahs to rise up. It's time for the Elijahs. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. He prayed, and it rained. He prayed and it rained. So God, I believe God is calling us to begin to pray like never before. God, we need heavy rains. That's what we're doing with the prayer army. God, we need heavy rains. God, I cannot change one person's life, but I know your spirit through me can and will. And so we need to start crying out, say, God, let it rain. God, let it pour upon our nation. Let it pour upon East London. Wash away the depression and the fears and the heaviness and the bondages of stuff that's binding people in sin and keeping them away from Christ. Lord, let it rain. So he prayed that it would rain, and it did. I, uh, this quote by Smith Wigglesworth, a famous British, ev- British evangelist, he said, an unprecedented revival will come when the word and the Spirit come together. They will be the biggest movement of the Holy Spirit of the nation. Indeed, the world has ever 
see. When the Word and the Spirit, you know, most churches tend to uh, err on the Word and the Spirit. Because we are afraid to preach certain parts of the Word of God because it's uncomfortable. People don't like it, so we steer clear from those scriptures. And then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we just so want to be dignified. We so want to be feel that people feel we're cool, you know, we're good. We, we, hey, man, cool, yes. You know, we're in with an in crowd. And so we are ashamed of the Holy Spirit in many ways. And God wants us to be an uncompromising, compassionate church where we, we're not compromising the Word of God and we don't compromise on the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But it begins with prayer. So I want to say to you, it's to pray and obey. Pray and obey. Come on, let's say it, pray and obey. If you and I want to see heavy rains, if you and I want to see a city-wide fire, we need to pray and obey. Pray and obey. When does the fire fall? When does the Holy Spirit come? Where faith is found. The fire falls where faith is found. The fire falls where faith is found. I've seen this over and over again. The key is faith. The key is faith, not how hard we work. So if you and I have faith, it will lead us to pray and obey. And when we pray and obey, it will increase our faith. Because when we pray, we connect to the kingdom of heaven. We become aware of the kingdom of heaven. And when we become aware of how powerful our God is and how glorious our God is, when we pray, it's like you shift from this dimension, your spirit being moves into another dimension, and you experience the greatness and the glory and the love of God, and it's like faith explodes on the inside. I believe. And then you can step out and obey. Why is obedience so important? Because when you, every time you obey, your faith should increase. How do you increase your faith? You take the little bit of faith you have, and then you work with it. You steward it. You, you, you manage it. There's a picture I, I saw this week. It's like if you have the gifts of the Spirit within you, if you want to grow the gifts of the Spirit, let's say you pray for somebody for healing, not much is happening, maybe a headache every now and again, but you are trusting for more people to be healed. How do you grow in the gifts of the Spirit? Well, you step out in faith. You pray and you obey. And when you do that, it's like you're taking out the gift like a little plant from within you. There's like a metaphor. You're taking the gift from without, from within, and you hold it out before you, and then it rains. God, I'm stepping. I'm going to pray for somebody now. I'm going to trust to hear your voice, your heart for somebody. God, here, here is the gift. And then it rains on your little plant, and it grows. Okay? I know for those who are not used to the gifts of the Spirit, this is quite challenging, I presume. Okay, but just this is for those who want to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, so we need to pray and obey. Look at this, one, one, Acts 1, verse 4 to 5. We're talking about when the fire falls. So in Acts 1, this is Jesus speaking. And he says there once when he was eating with him, he commanded them, say commanded, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Come on, say Holy Spirit. So Jesus commands the guys, he's looking at his disciples and guys, you have nothing to offer this world. Go to Jerusalem and go pray and wait until fire falls. Until fire falls. So there was 500, the Bible says, 
There were 500 eyewitnesses. That was the eyewitness account. 500 people saw Jesus ascend into heaven before the day of Pentecost. There were only 120 in the upper room. Only 120. Of the 500, only 120. Only 120 had faith. And so they were in the upper room. I, I presume it was, they were tight. It was tight. Maybe there was not a lot of space for everybody there. Now I can just imagine that someone comes, a little boy comes to me. What are you doing? Uh, we are praying. What are you praying for? Uh, we don't know. We think a gift. We think the Holy Spirit. How does this work, the Holy Spirit? We don't. We just know that Jesus has told us, commanded us to go and wait, to go and pray until he would pour out this gift upon us because this will change the world. And so they prayed. They prayed for two weeks. They called out upon the name of Jesus. They called out to God, say, Lord, let it be. And I'm sure there were a few guys like, when's it going to happen? I'm sure the kids were like, Dad, how long till we there? How long? And after two weeks, the power of the Spirit was poured out. But look, just look at the verse again. It says, the gift he promised. Do you work for a gift? No, you just receive the gift. You just receive the gift. You see, there are so many churches and so large parts of the church that is saying we have living waters, but we don't. And guys, we have a drizzle, but we want more. And there's something that happens, just some of the testimony, some of the guys, one of the guys shared this testimony as well. He was a drug addict um, on cocaine and other drugs as well. He shared over this weekend again, and he just shared how when the Holy Spirit touched him, when God came to live on the inside of him, when he experienced the living waters, he said it was better than any cocaine high ever. Why? Why? Why is it so amazing? Because when a drug addict is looking for a fix to fix all the stuff on the inside, but when you come to Jesus, when you come to God, it's like he reveals to you who you are. It's like coming home. It's like drinking the real deal. It's amazing. The real deal. But we need to, it's only the heavy rains that will break the, the drought. It's only a, a citywide fire that will turn the tide. As the church is going currently, we're going backwards, the church in general. Why? Because we need the fullness of God. And so we need these, the eyes of faith. We need to see with the eyes of the Spirit like those guys. They were sitting in that upper room and they we're seeing, I don't know what we're seeing, but we know there is something in the same. I don't know what's coming. All I know is God is going to move. All I know is there is more coming. The drizzle will become more, God. Let it become more. You, God, in our midst. That's what God wants to do. Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, that's where the Spirit was poured out. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So they were united. They cared about one another, loved one another. There was a unity amongst the believers. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Come on, say sound. Suddenly. Say suddenly. Come on, suddenly a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, 
and one sat upon each of them. So they literally saw fire on the heads of the people, the Holy Spirit like a fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the people were amazed and they marveled like, what the heck is going on? A city was rocked in one day. 3,000 men came to Christ in that one day. They were amazed. I've read about revivals like the Brownsville Revival in the United States in the 1995. They say it was on Father's Day and there was an outpouring of the Spirit. The pastor says he, he felt, he heard, they heard a sound in the place and, they, and, they, and he felt like this, like a river rushing in between his legs. And it's the next moment and he's a very dignified, a very controlled type of person, analytical type of person. He says next moment he was on the floor for four hours out with the power of God just rushing over him. The revival lasted about 10 years. Every night services, six days of the, of the week, from 7 o'clock until 2, 3 o'clock every night. People would start queuing from 6 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night. Thousands upon thousands, 150,000 people came to Christ. Millions came through that church from all over the world. And it was a small little nowhere place like East London. And yes, it seems crazy when you haven't seen it, when you haven't experienced it. It seems nuts. But there's something, the eyes of faith says, God, I know you're going to move. I know you're going to touch our nation. You see, real love will move us to pursue more of God. Real love will move us to pursue the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen this so many times. You know, I can't change one person's life, but at times when I pray for people, even our youth, young people, I lay hands on them, just touch them, and it's like a fire that comes upon them, and it rocks their worlds. It rocks their worlds. One encounter with Jesus will change you for life. Some of us, our hearts have become so hard, so indifferent, so passive, so like just going through the motions, so unbelieving. God is wanting to light the fire in your heart. He's wanting you to believe again and hope again that he's, he's going to work through you. Amen. Come on, let's say it. The fire is going to fall. <laughs> let's say it again. The fire is going to fall. <laughs> Why am I having you say it? Because there's power in speaking it and it releases faith. It releases faith. I can tell you so many stories of praying for people and then they feel a fire on their bodies and then they get healed. Their deaf ears open, blind eyes open, people that haven't been able to see for 10 plus years. So Jesus is the rainmaker and the miracle worker. And I want to take you quickly to 1 Kings, just to end off with this. 1 Kings 18, verses 20. And this speaks of Elijah. So he's prayed for the rain. The rain has come. Heavy rains. I mean, a little cloud. It says, and then the heavy rains came down on the nation after three and a half years of drought. He prayed and the rain came. Then he confronted. He confronted the wickedness in the nation. So he told the guys in this verse, he said, this is like Ahab was the evil king. And there was Jezebel. And then Elijah said, bring all the Baal prophets together. And bring all the people together because this is the showdown. Da, da, da. The showdown. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and he said, How long 
will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. In other words, if Jesus is God, follow him. If, if another religion is true, then fine, do that. But if Jesus is the one, then follow him. And so Elijah was challenging the whole nation. He's saying, guys, I'm not going to demonstrate to you that Jehovah God is the God. And so he, they put all the, they, they, he challenged the 450 prophets of Baal and they put a animal, dead animal on a, on the, on the altar. And he said, now you guys cry out to your God. You cry out, you pray to your God. And if he answers with fire, then he is God. Then he says, 1 Kings 18, 24, it says, then, then you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. The God who answers with fire, he is God. And I believe that is an Old Testament prophetic picture of the New Testament of when Jesus said, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire and you will know that I am the real deal. Come on, let's say it. Jesus is the real deal. Amen. But imagine this. I mean, Elijah, one man, the whole nation, 450 prophets, and he knows this is his life is now on the line. If his God doesn't come down with fire, he's dead. The nation is dead. I want to say the same way. If we don't have more of God in our lives, this nation will die. Because it's already going the wrong direction. Look at our young people. Look at our schools. How many young people are serving Jesus? Very, very few. God wants to use you and me to turn this around. Look at this, verse 27. Now they've been praying in the whole day until until noon. And Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud for he is God. Either he's meditating or he is busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances with blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But listen to this. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Why? Because our God speaks. Jesus speaks. He pays attention. He loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you. He sees everything about you. It was amazing yesterday just to see how God intimately knows people. Just prophetically. How on earth is it possible to know these things? And then verse 36, the last bit. Now it came to Elijah. His opportunity so he was not. It says, and it came to pass the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. God, let it be known that you are God. Lord, may it not be necessary for us to argue with the atheist. It may not be necessary to try and prove to them that you are God. Let me just show them. That you are God. Lord. They all know. So this, this showdown like Elijah and I. Man, I mean imagine you in Elijah's shoes. There, the other guys have been crying out whole day. Nothing's been happening. Now's your time. You're trusting for the fire to fall. It's like Jesus. If you don't fall I'm dead. Let it be known this day. That you are God. And that I am your servant. I have done all these things. At your word. You see Elijah obeyed. 
Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. You see, the fire causes hearts to turn back. The fire of the Holy Spirit causes double-mindedness to become single-mindedness. God, it is you and you alone. The fire of God causes sickness to leave our bodies, causes evil or darkness on our souls to leave our beings. The, the fire of God causes heaven, God himself, to come down. And when God comes down, everything else needs to go. Amen. That's who our God is. And then it says there, then the fire of the Lord fell. Come on, let's say the fire fell. And consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Glory. I mean, so, so uh, there's something about when you can do more than just speak about God, but you can demonstrate God. So Daniel Kalenda was an American evangelist with massive outreaches in Africa and a lot of miracles that happened through his ministry. He was sharing there was an American evangelist that came to, I think, Botswana or somewhere in Africa. And before the guy came, he phoned Daniel and said, Daniel, what must I do? Because this evangelist doesn't believe in the power in the sense of the, the, the miracles, the healing wonders. He doesn't believe in that. But he said, I can't come to Africa. I can't come to the poor and not be able to demonstrate the message that I speak. And so Daniel gave him a few tips. But the point being, Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God. And God is calling you and me to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Not just talk about it and then the last verse Matthew 10 7 to 8 it says and as you go this is Jesus speaking again obey he says he commands he seeks his disciples as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick cleanse the lepers raise the dead cast out demons freely you have received freely give is that a suggestion? It's not a suggestion. That's supposed to be normal Christianity. Jesus said, guys, this is how you live. This is how I live. This is how I operated. I preached the kingdom of God. Then I demonstrated the kingdom of God. Now I'm calling you to preach the kingdom of God and to demonstrate the kingdom of God. So he said there, and say to them, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Stretch forth your hand. How far is the kingdom? It's that close. It is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning it's near. Well, the kingdom of heaven is at hand for those who believe, but it's out of reach to those who don't. Out of reach to those who don't. Fire falls when, where faith is found. Fire falls where faith is found. Minimal fire at the very least. Pentecost fire when God sovereignly moves. Amen. But he always is always moving. So come on, look at your hand again. Stretch forth your hand. There's something powerful about that hand. Come on, let's say it. There's something powerful about this hand. If you are a believer, your hand becomes an extension of Jesus Christ, the very hand of God. How can I say that you are the body of Christ? 
You are his feet. You are his hands. And he comes and he lives on the inside of you through his Holy Spirit. And then he said, stretch forth your hand. Proclaim healing in my name. And then stretch forth your hand and see the sick healed, delivered. You see, Jesus didn't come only to give us a one-way ticket to heaven. He came to save the whole man, soul, spirit, and body. So you've got a ticket to heaven, but you're still battling with depression. That's not cool. So you've got a ticket to heaven, but you, you have all these pains in your body and you're making you feel like an absolute victim and failure. Why does Jesus want to heal people? Because he loves them. When your body is racked with disease and pain, your body becomes a torture chamber. It becomes hell on earth. And so God is calling you and me to pray for the sick, to stretch forth our hands, and then speak in the name of Jesus, be healed. You know, there's been these moments that I've been, it's rocked my world, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, Jesus, bring it home. Bring the glory home. Let it happen here. But we were in Brazil at the one time, and uh, we met altar called church of 6,000 people, hundreds of people coming forward for prayer. And I had in my line, like, lots of people. And it was just this incredible experience to see Jesus move. It's not me. It's like, when, how does healing work? How does the power of God work? It's like you simply standing under a waterfall of the Holy Spirit, and there's a river of life that flows through you. Jesus said, he who believes in me, rivers of living waters will flow forth from their inner being. Rivers will flow forth from their inner being. And so I had this queue of people, two lines of people, and they would test their bodies. And, and like the one lady, for instance, she would test and she'd say, yeah, there is a big cyst on her breast. And I'll just lay a hand, not on the breast, but on the shoulder. And then I would pray, be healed in Jesus' name. 30 seconds later, I tell, okay, now test your body. And she would go there and like, it's gone. And then she'd cry. What? What is that? That is Jesus. I can't heal a headache not about me it's about his glory but he wants to be glorified every miracle is a manifestation of glory every miracle is a manifestation of glory do you want to bring glory to jesus do you well then we need to pray for people we need to pray and obey pray so we can have more of god's life flowing through us so that jesus can be glorified I mean, so that one night I prayed for, I think it was 40, 4-0 people that were testably, physically healed, and their lives were transformed. The one night uh, we were speaking about marriage, actually, in Brazil, and uh, I was proclaiming to all the couples, I was saying, you need to do spiritual warfare. <laughs> I've shared this before. What I'm meaning by that is when a husband and a wife comes together physically, sexually, there is spiritual warfare happening. The evil leaves the house as man, husband, and wife becomes one. Oh, the Brazilians like that. Man, they like that. The senior pastor was, yes, spiritual warfare. Come on, praise God. But there was this one lady that came to us and said to us, she feels horrible because she cannot be physically intimate with her husband because she has a cyst on her private part. And can't have sexual intimacy with her husband. So one of our guys, one of the team members prayed for her. 
And she went to the, to the bathroom to check. And she came back and she said, it's gone. I'm healed. And she fell into one of the translator's arms and she wept and she wept and she wept. Isn't that beautiful? Why am I sharing that? Because Jesus loves us. He loves us enough to want to heal our back pain. It's just back pain, but that's incapacitating maybe. for It's painful. He wants to heal you because he wants to be glorified. He wants to touch you so that your life can bring glory to his name. Amen. Come on, let's say Jesus is in the house. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the Savior. And He wants to heal my whole being. He does. Fire falls where faith is found. Come on, let's say it. I believe that God is here to set free today. In Jesus' name. So the Lord wants to give us eyes to see. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.